Greetings, and welcome to the Tapestry Podcast. I am Chris Turner. Tapestry is the adoption and foster care ministry of Irving Bible Church in Irving, Texas. And yes, you are indeed listening to the Tapestry Podcast. We do have new theme music. We'd like to send a shout out to Moses Uver, a dear friend who was kind enough to let us use part of one of his tracks as our new theme music. Hi, Chris. Hey, Ryan. <laughs> Joining me today is Ryan North, the Executive Director of Tapestry. And uh, we're going to talk about something a little different today than we have the past few episodes, something that affects our church ministries. So one of the things we want to talk about um, is how uh, church ministries, and specifically uh, children's church ministries, need to be trauma-informed so that they might better care, not only for our kids who might come from a hard place, but for all kids in the ministry who can benefit from it. So, Ryan, why is it important that uh, church ministries are trauma-informed? So, so here's, here's a little bit of background to that question, um, because we get asked this question a lot. Hey, do you have something for our um, children's ministry to help them be more trauma-informed? Uh, the more frequent question is, hey, do you have something that we can give to our children's ministry so they can better serve our children? Of course, our children foster and adoptive kids. I've had people say, hey, have you got like a, like you know an elevator pitch that I can share with the children's pastor while we're walking down the hall and why they need to do this? And I think one of the mistakes that ministries like ours have made when reaching out to churches is we approach them with this idea that we've got our kids in your ministry. They've got some unique needs and unique behaviors. And here are some things that you can do to make it better for them. Now... Um, that doesn't appear to be problematic at all, except when we look at the fact that children's ministries are generally always trying to get more volunteers. Mm-hmm. I think they're understaffed on Sundays and Wednesdays, and what they hear is, hey, here's, here's another group um, with some unique needs that you need to accommodate. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, um, adoption and foster care ministries have approached churches the children's ministry has said we can't do anything differently and the adoption and foster care ministry folks have gone away and said well the children's ministry doesn't care about our kids now that could not be further from the truth what we've learned over the last couple of years is that you need to approach it slightly differently because you have to take people back to the basics because people don't don't understand the emotional special needs of our children mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talk about this with people a lot. If a nine-year-old little girl is pushed into the room in a wheelchair, everybody can see that she has some needs and will do whatever they can to accommodate those needs. And as a matter of fact, will think negatively of people who don't do what they can to accommodate mm-hmm. those needs. The problem for our kids is that they come into the room in an emotional wheelchair and nobody can see it. And those fight, flight, or freeze responses uh, come out that we've spoken about before mm-hmm. and then they're labeled as difficult or defiance. So here's why it's important. When children go to church on Sunday morning, it is not childcare. What it is, is thought out, planned time for them to learn the truths of scripture and to learn about Jesus. And if we are constantly having to be reactive to behaviors and if the five-year-old class sounds like this stop doing that stop doing that sit down don't do that you can't do that stop that come back here they're not learning about jesus what it is is a combat zone for that child Mm -hmm. so 
our, our thought on that is that if we could just get people to understand trauma, how that impacts the children, and then what you can do about that, that's a really, really great win, right? Because, uh, you know, Brene Brown said that, um, I'll mess up the real quote, so I'll paraphrase. Essentially what she said is that compassion is a deeply held uh, set of values. Mm-hmm. Empathy is the skill set needed to make compassion come alive. Right. And so what we want is we want compassion for our children, but we don't equip the people and we don't take them to a place where they can be empathetic so they can have compassion for our children. So that's number one. Number two, um, we've always approached it as our population of kids, but the reality is you do not have to have spent one second in foster care. You do not have to uh, be an adoptive child to have trauma. Right, so we just go through the, the you know we we came up with a um, with a two hour training that we that we did here at, at Irving Bible Church, and we've been asked by several churches since to come in and do it with their staff, and and it and it's real simple, right? Number one, let's talk about what trauma is and understand that. And so the six risk factors: prenatal stress and harm, difficult labor and delivery, early medical trauma, abuse, neglect, and other kinds of trauma. You can still be living with the people you were born to. And I've had prenatal stress in home. Mm-hmm. And I've had difficult labor and delivery. Early medical trauma. Other kinds of trauma. Abuse. Neglect. I mean, all six of those could be true. We, we sometimes only think, well, if abuse rises to the level where the state has to get involved, then it's abuse. Right. But well, that's not true, right? And we also tend to think of abuse in terms of physical abuse. Well, that's not true either. Mm-hmm. You know, we tend to think of neglect as, well, if it rises to the level where the state needs to be involved then it's neglect. Well, you know what? You can you can have a tough day at the office and you get home and your children are like, Daddy, Daddy, and you're like, oh, leave me alone, I just want to watch Sports Center. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's emotionally neglectful of your children. Um, there are a lot of people uh, dealing with abandonment issues because a five-year-old doesn't process mom and dad that decided to get divorced. All that five-year-old knows is that daddy doesn't live at the house anymore mm. and feels abandoned. And if you believe the divorce statistics, um, they say that in the church and in the greater population in the United States, they mirror each other. If you believe that, the majority of the children in your class are dealing with some one, two, three of those those risk factors that make a hard place. Mm-hmm. And they still, you know, it's still processed by their brain, body, biology, beliefs, and behavior the same way. Right. This is not unique to foster kids. This is not unique to adopted kids. And so one of the thing, the two of the things that are really important in terms of speaking to church ministries, biology, we can touch on that, but their brain, understanding how it compromises their, their brain. And so we made everybody stand up and do the handy model of the brain and flip <laughs> their lids and all that kind of stuff. Because everybody I know understands the concept of left brain, right brain. Mm-hmm. We talk about our, they're a left brain person. But few people outside of this world that we live in um, talk about upstairs, downstairs brain, integrating your primal brain with that developed brain, that reasoned part of your brain. Right. So that's kind of your in a little bit. But then you talk about how, you know, a seven-year-old, all those, all those skills, you know, the self-regulation and the reasoned responses and all those things that come up from that brain that's only fully developed sometime around 25, mm-hmm. right? They, they didn't understand that until they were sitting in the workshop about trauma-informed care. So there's a lot that's relevant to children's ministry that they haven't learned over the years because 
for several reasons, and one of them being that the adoption and foster care ministries have approached them with this, you need to make changes so our kids can handle your um, ministry time better. Mm. But the truth of the matter is that we now know a lot more, and so I know it's time for me to quote Maya Angelou like I do every episode. <laughs> now that we know better, we have to do better. I think that Maya Angelou stopped short because it's once you know better, you must do better, and then you must help other people know better and do better as mm. well. And I think, you know, that to me is a driving thought every day. It is our responsibility now that we know better to help others know better. So that's sort of why I think it's important. Another thing that they do here at Irving Bible Church uh, that we really, really love is this understanding that um, part of the altered development and one of the ways that children are impacted is their ability to um, deal with sensory inputs is, is altered. So we had a lady on staff here whose son was autistic, and so understanding the sensory processing issues was something she was acutely aware of mm-hmm. because it was part of her life, right? right. And we also have a pretty well-developed um, special needs ministry here at the church. And so um, the lady who runs that, Shannon Miller, really understands a lot of the sensory um, in how sensory things impact people. And so the two of them in collaboration went to children's ministry and said, hey, we have these sensory kits. And so this is really, really a, a big moment. And I know that people listening might go, well, a little plastic tub with some like fidgets and some headphones. How's that a big moment? Well, it's a, here's why it's a big moment. Because it was a small ask. The children's ministry said, yeah, let's do that. And they're seeing, A, the benefits. They're seeing that it's not just adopted foster uh, kids, uh, kids from the special needs ministry that, that do these things. It is like just general population kids, right? Mm-hmm. It's the people that, that, that mom and dad are happily married and, as far as you know, just love and adore their child. But you don't know their child's birth story. You don't know if they have any early medical trauma. And so right. we're going to pick the kids up from children's ministry, and there'll be kids in, in, in my son's group that have, like, the headphones on. And they're finding that doing these, making these small adjustments and allowing kids to fidget when you just want them to sit still and listen mm. um, is really, really becoming very conducive to the kids learning. And so that went over so well that the next step was, okay, we want to learn more about this. And um, the children's ministry team approached us and said, hey, um, can you recommend a book? And so it's the yeah, whole brain child. And so they actually require everybody on the children's ministry staff to have read that book now, which is just a huge win. Uh, in terms of, of ministering to the children. You know, if we can create an environment where the children feel safe and we don't have to be reactive, then we're going to learn more about Jesus. You know, one of the things that um, that we have traditionally loved in the church is we like to be regimented, mm-hmm. especially in children's ministry. And so, and, and that's not, that's partly the church is doing, but partly the church's response to parents because I know that the children's ministry, uh, when kids are done with that and mom and dad come and pick them up, they want to know where the little craft is that they made. It's like your receipt that you went to church (laughs) with children, right? (laughs) And because we know that, we spend a lot of time making sure that there's a craft. Well, if I got a kid that's dysregulated, forcing him to sit at the table and glue cotton balls onto an outline of a sheep, Mm -hmm. um, that's that's like a 15-minute battle that most people are willing to fight. And our response would be, well, could you just, you know. Can you do something else? Yeah. Hey, it sounds like you're asking, you don't want to do that. Are you asking for a compromise? Mm. So we coached him on compromises, redos, um, things of that nature, because those are really important things. I mean, it's interesting that, that God, one of the characteristics of God 
um, that we don't ever speak about is that he's willing to compromise. Mm-hmm. You, you, okay, so here's my example then. The Hebrews come out of Egypt. And, you know, they're wandering in the desert for 40 years because they're doing lots of bad things. They're building calves out of gold. They're worshiping idols. And God gets to the point where he says to Moses, you know, I wish I hadn't brought them out of Egypt. I should just smite them from the face of the earth. And Moses said, I paraphrase. (laughs) And Moses said, yeah, he could do that. But if he did that, all the nations of the world would say, he brought them out of Egypt just so he could destroy them himself. And then the Bible has one of the greatest verses. And Moses changed the Lord's mind. We don't talk about that a lot. Mm -hmm. But that God would listen to a mortal and get into this conversation where they're negotiating needs. Right? That's why it's a hallmark of secure attachment, being able to negotiate your needs. That's why people who are new in relationship with God, when you say, hey, look, I kind of you know, like wrestle with the Lord about things. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my uh, one of my favorite stories from Doctor Purvis's funeral was um, memorial service. Excuse me, was her son delivered the eulogy, and he said every time my mother spoke, she'd go into the ladies' room, lock herself in the stall, raise her hands to heaven, and basically argue with the Lord. Why do you want me to do this? I can't do this. I don't know why you want me to do this. Why do you keep having me do this? I'm not equipped. I, I can't. I don't want to. Mm-hmm. And then she'd go out and do it in any case. Right? Because she can do that because of the quality of her relationship with the Lord. She's in a securely attached place. Mm-hmm. Well, if we can build quality relationships with our children, um, then that's really, really great. Now, children's ministry does a lot of things that are fantastic. One, they always make sure that the kids are in the same class, that they're around the same children, and they're around the same teacher every week. So they understand intuitively this concept that we need to work on the relationship with the people in the room. Uh, They break and they go have large group where the kids dance and do actions and sing and laugh and stuff. So they understand the concept of getting kids moving. Mm -hmm. Right? Uh, They have like a water break and a snack break. They understand proper hydration and nutrition. Well, nutrition, they're giving them some crackers. Right, yeah. <laughs> Cheerios. But they understand that these things have to happen. Right. And it's amazing that they do all these things, then we sit and talk to them about why that's really, really good. <laughs> they go, oh, yeah, that is. Well, here's three things. You just tie a couple more things together. Uh, I think we're going to be a really, really great place. So, um, you know, we really feel like um, like the time has come for us to spend um invest in in doing this with children's ministries because it's not just for the benefit of of our population of children it's for the benefit of all the children you know it's like the old song goes jesus loves the little children all the children of the world and so while our ministry is to families and to help them and equip them and you know connect them to a community equip them encourage them um, well that is the nature of our ministry there's a second component of that, and that is that if you make the children's ministry a place where our children can thrive, it will be a place where all children can thrive. And then all children can be at a place where they can hear about Jesus, and you're not constantly fighting battles with children. And if your children's ministry runs smoother, then your volunteer base is going to grow because people avoid it because 
it can be a really trying 75 minutes on a Sunday morning. Right. I know because we used to volunteer in children's ministry, and it was one of the hardest things I'd have to do during the week. So there are just so many benefits, and not just that our kids would be understood and that their needs would be met, but that all kids would be loved and understood and that their needs would be met and that more people will volunteer and that we will grow the children's ministry and it will be a place where children are loved and accepted and feel safe and will learn about Jesus. I'd like to thank Ryan for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Chris. It was very good to be with you as always. Appreciate your flexibility <laughs> in doing the traveling roadshow thing. Uh, my pleasure. If you think your church could benefit from this workshop and you would like some more information, you can email us at tapestry at irvingbible.org. You may also find a contact form on our website at tapestryministry.org. You can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes. Just search for Tapestry Adoption Podcast. You can also subscribe from our website. Thank you for listening.